Welcome back to the Ranching Brunette podcast for episode number 11. Today, Jordy Lowe is joining us. Jordy is a first-generation rancher of Loco Cattle that she runs with her husband in Oregon. Jordy, thank you for joining us today. I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, good. I'm extremely excited, and I cannot wait to hear about your journey as a first-generation rancher. How did you discover your passion for the beef industry? I was actually born on a dairy farm um, here in Oregon in the Valley, and my folks ran the dairy farm for the first, I'm not sure, five to six years of my life. That unfortunately didn't work out for them, and they switched to beef cattle. And from there, we started really young with 4-H, and you know, we showed, my sister and I both showed cattle from fourth grade to 12th grade and really got immersed in the culture. I really don't think there's a better culture than ranching and the cattle industry. And I think it just fosters so many amazing things for our country. So then when I met Cody and learned his history and his great grandpa actually was a big part of bringing the Charlet breed to the United States. Oh wow! And then his grandpa and his father ran about 400 plus pairs in Silverton, Oregon. And so while Cody didn't grow up with cattle, it was definitely, you know, literally in his blood. It's what he wanted to do. And then with my background with beef cattle, it was just kind of an easy, I guess the passion was always there. It was just, it was just an easy transition to go straight from, you know what? All right. So we've got horses. Now it's time to get the cows. <laughs> <laughs> that was the same for me too. I've always had the horses. I'm like, Hey, this is going to go hand in hand. Let's do it. Yes, exactly. Oh, so much fun. So I want to talk about your incredibly humble and inspiring post where I first discovered you on Instagram. You talk about going after your ranching goals and then leaving the security of your job. Will you share this story with us? Oh my goodness. I feel like the story itself could go on. Like I could talk about this for 45 minutes. Oh, totally fine. We got all the time in the world. <laughs> it's uh, It really kind of happened in two waves. I was eliminated from a position at a job I absolutely loved. And when I say eliminated, everyone's like, oh, so you got fired. No, I did not get fired. <laughs> my position was truly eliminated and I was replaced by one employee that would do two jobs essentially. Oh, wow. So I left a job that I thought, I honestly thought I would retire at. Like I was working in an ER. It was very high paced. I loved my team. I really never thought I would leave. So then when my job disappeared all of a sudden, it was really kind of, I felt super lost. And yeah. I was very fortunate. One of my husband's clients said, Hey, I've got some horses to ride. Why don't you come ride for me? And I was able to kind of jump into that. And that was great. But I really felt like I was not doing my part to contribute for our family. So that led me back to a job in the medical field. We did not have cows at this time and it made sense for me to be back to work. So I went back and realized it was not a job I could do at that level anymore. I had been in such a high intense, high demand job that doing it at this new level was very unsatisfying for me. Shortly after I realized this, we bought 30 pairs. Well, we bought 30 bread cows. Oh my gosh. And um, when I tell you one thing about my husband, it is zero to 60. There is no like, you know what? Let's try it at like 20 miles per hour for a few minutes. No, <laughs> it's just hammered down. And I love it because it's taught me to be so much more confident and courageous in my decisions because like, if he can do it, like I can do it. Like, it'll be fine. It'll be right? fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as I became more unhappy with my job, I think it was directly linked to all of my mama cows being at home and feeling like I just needed to be there. And I just had this feeling that like, you know, we had, we had plans for the cows when we bought them, but I just had this feeling like we couldn't make it happen without me being there full time, which sounds ridiculous because people do it all the time. <laughs> but I think more so my unhappiness with my job. Yeah. So Jesse Jarvis, 
it is the craziest thing. Social media is so wild how it works. I was sitting at my job and I was on a break and I'm like scrolling through Instagram and I'm watching Jesse Jarvis's um, Insta story, right? Mm-hmm. And she answered somebody else's question about what to do when you have no idea what to do with, with your life. Like, and I want to say this, this girl was younger. She was 19 or 20. She was at a high school. She wasn't sure what direction to go. And while I'm senior to that by many years and I've gone to school and I've done, you know, I feel like I had checked the boxes. I found myself lost. And what Jesse said was think of something you love. Think of how to make money doing it. Work your tail off. And if you're passionate about something, you will figure out how to make it work. Wow. And that was just it for me. Yeah. I was like, how can that be so simple? (laughs) So simple, but so profound at the same time. Yes. And it's interesting that we sometimes need somebody from outside to tell us. My husband had encouraged me that, you know what, maybe you need to leave your job. You know, fortunately we're financially stable with him. I, I didn't need to be there. So he had encouraged me several times without being pushy by any means that, you know, maybe you should leave your job. You're unhappy, but you know, me being me, I couldn't be told what to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I still felt that need to contribute to the family. I just didn't, I guess I didn't understand what that meant for me. So I guess in the end, I wish I would have listened to him a lot sooner, <laughs> but it took me a while to come to Cody and tell him about this. You know, I don't know why I felt like it was a secret, but to come to him and say, here's the deal. I have this dream. This is, this is my heart work. And in some of your other podcasts, you talk about your heart work, yeah. work. And I truly decided that like, okay, so what are the things I love? I love my husband. Yeah. I love being home with him. I love my dogs, I love Jesus, and I love my cows. Which one of those things can I turn into a career? Yes. <laughs> and being a full-time dog mom just doesn't have a whole lot of options. So I went with cows. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I said we were at dinner one night, and he says, "Is everything okay?" And because you know he reads me like a book, and I was like, "Okay, actually, you know what? Here's the deal. I need to quit my job. I love our cows, and we're going to make a business out of it. And I'm going to jump in feet first, and I'm just going to make this happen." And I thought for sure I was going to be met with some sort of like, okay, well, we should look into it. And he just says, okay, make it happen. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh so then I was really caught because then I actually had to do it, right? Right. Yep. Now you got to fall through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I was terrified. <laughs> so it literally two days later, I was at work and my boss called me in the office and there were some changes happening. I was in a on-call position and the changes happening removed my benefits and decreased my hours even more. Oh, wow. And since the whole idea was for me to provide benefits for the family, when that happened, I was like, oh boy, here we go. This is it. (laughs) Like for some reason I needed that like great big God nod to tell me, yes, this is okay. Yes, you can do it. And I want to say 48 hours later, I gave my two weeks notice. Wow. And I was done and I walked away and I have not regretted it a single day. It's been absolutely fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. The opportunities we've been able to jump on immediately because I am available Yeah, have been ama- amazing. And it's, it's justified it, I guess. Cause I definitely still have some of that guilt where, okay, so here goes my husband at six 30 in the morning. Off he goes to do his job and I get to play with cows all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but your job definitely sounds amazing playing with cows all day. I mean, that's fantastic. And what a beautiful way to step out in faith and just trusting God. And then your husband supporting you 150%. Huge kudos to him for that. He sounds like a great guy and just super supportive of your dreams and your passions. Yes, he he's very, very supportive. And I'm so fortunate to share a lifestyle with somebody who has the same passion for the lifestyle that I do and that has the same drive and the same goals. And honestly, without him and his work ethic and his ability to 
leave the house at 6.30 and come home at 9 o'clock, what we do with the cows would not be possible. So it's I've been very, very fortunate in the partner that I found. Oh, that's fantastic. What is it he does for a living? He's a horseshoer. Oh, that's physically demanding. My brother-in-law is a horseshoer down in Texas. And you're right, long days and exhausting, just exhausting because you're physically active all day. Yes, very, very exhausting. And he comes home and he crashes on the couch and eats dinner and (laughs) does it all again the next day. Gosh, that's a fantastic field to be in. And I have a ton of respect for farriers because they're dealing with people's sometimes crazy horses and horses in general all day and being bent over just shooing and man, that's a lot of work. And I just have a lot of respect for people who do that day in and day out because I could not do it. Oh gosh, me either. He made me chew my own horse. <laughs> I don't know. Before we got married, he was like, if you're ever at a barrel race and you lose a shoe, you need to know how to do this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It took me like three and a half hours. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I was like, all right, I don't want your job. It's I'll leave it to the pros. <laughs> yeah. It's too hard. I do my own horses and uh, I have to spread them out over the course of it a week because I can only do one a day maybe and it's exhausting and it takes me forever and it's like oh I don't know how people can do 10 15 20 of them in a day there's just no way oh oh yeah gosh no me either gosh (laughs) so Jordy how would you encourage someone who is just about ready to make the same transition you just walked us through from leaving their job to following their heart work the biggest thing I can say is pray on it I prayed on this continually whether I was at work, whether I was driving down the road, whether I was feeding the cows, I prayed on it. And I had, you know, these conversations with God. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think we all do. And it was, it was a constant thing for me. You know, I get in the car and I'd start thinking about it because when you have one of these decisions, it weighs on your mind. And for me to reach out to God and ask for him, you know, please help me to follow your plan and give me the confidence to do so was a big deal for me to not doubt my decision. Yeah. That was really hard for me especially when I felt like I was in limbo and I had all of this doubt that I wasn't going to be able to make it work. And so to really lean on my faith and to go to prayer was really really important for me. And consulting with Cody with my husband, whether you're consulting with a spouse or your business partner or a teammate, be willing to accept their support when they give it. It took me a really, really long time of Cody saying, why don't you quit your job? Why don't you stay home and feed the cows? Why don't you stay home and run the home business? And I don't know why I was so unwilling to accept that support from him, but it took a lot for me to do so. And I feel like I could have saved us both a lot of heartache if I just would have been like, okay, sounds good. Oh, that's great. I absolutely love that. And you're right. Some of my biggest epiphanies and answers have come through because I still work a day job and my commute is an hour each way. So I spend two hours on the road and just talking with God through that. And some of the biggest epiphanies have come to me through that and answers. And it's just incredible if you really just lean on your faith and tune into that, how much clearer your direction can be and your path. And it's just fascinating. And I don't know how some folks who don't have that belief system, which is, you know, just fine for them. I just, I don't understand how they're able to get through some of these tough times in life or transitions. I just can't fathom it myself just because that's my spiritual belief, you know, like yours. And it's just interesting to me how some people don't have that. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it would be, oh my gosh, I was so indecisive with his help. Can you imagine how lost I would have been without him to talk to? Oh gosh, yeah. (laughs) You know, with, without God to reach out to and have these conversations and work through things in my car on my way to work, you know, whatever it might've been. Oh boy. I never would have made a decision with (laughs) him. No kidding. I 
couldn't agree any more with that because there's so much truth in that. And it's just, uh, it's hard enough as it is. And I couldn't imagine having to be on the other side of that and not having that faith is, oh, yeah, no. it's just to me, it's exhausting just to even think about that. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. <laughs> Tell us about your startup ranch from the type of operation you and your husband run to the breed of cattle you chose. I know you mentioned in the beginning the certain breed you guys have. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that and how you guys kind of decided to follow along on that. So we jumped into this feet first um, with 30 bred Red Angus cows. It's We bought them as a Red Angus herd. We think we have Red Angus. We've got some Semmental. We had just crosses of different kinds. It's kind of hard to say. Nothing's registered. They're commercial cows. So there's some that are very much like, oh, yep, you're a Semmental. You're definitely Red Angus, you know, but we got that mix. And one of our biggest things with picking Red Angus is we wanted to maintain the marbling of the Angus breed, but we like the docility of the Red Angus versus the Black Angus in some cases. Yeah. We had both been around some Black Angus that necessarily weren't necessarily the the easiest girls to be around. <laughs> so we liked the Red Angus for that. We love their marbling ability. Their maternal instincts are wonderful. And we had to find something that was large enough bodied to carry Charlay calves because we really, really wanted to breed in Charlays to support that hybrid vigor that we were looking for. Yeah, I think purebred cattle are amazing. And I think there's a place for each breed, for each style. But we really, really believe in the power of hybrid vigor and being able to take these positive traits from this animal and these positive traits from this animal and combine them together to create a superior calf that is going to outperform some of the purebreds. Absolutely. Adds a lot of diversity to your herd. Yes, absolutely. So while we maintain the marbling from the red Angus, we have the larger carcass size and growth rate of the Charlay, which has been fantastic. Eventually, we would love to have some registered Charlay heifers and you know, breed to some fantastic bulls. We've got some, you know, like our pipe dream ranches that we'd love to be able to have bloodlines from someday, including one of the ranches that was instrumental in with my husband's great grandfather in bringing over the Charlay. They are still a functioning ranch. Wow. So it would be amazing to be able to dig into their herd and get some of those bloodlines that were, you know, original to the breed when they came over. How neat would that be to have that side be generational and bringing it into your first generation, essentially your first generation operation? That would be really neat to tie the family oh, yeah. history in with what you guys are doing currently. Yes, absolutely. That is that is the ultimate goal. We decided to go with bread cows so that we knew from start to finish. So I guess our operation, we're a cow-calf operation. So we decided to go that route because we want to know we want to know exactly where each calf comes from. So from start to finish, from birth to butcher, we know we know the history on every single calf. We know exactly what we're providing to people. And we do a grass-fed grain finish program. Excellent. And we are fortunate enough that we actually hold contracts with three breweries here in the Valley. And we finish all of our cattle on brewer's grain. Mm. So that's been an amazing, an amazing opportunity to kind of get our foot in the door with some some very large breweries and some smaller breweries. And, you know, because the ultimate goal is to be able to sit down in a restaurant and order a steak from Loco Cattle or order a burger from Loco Cattle. You know, that's the dream. So having these connections now with the breweries and the restaurants has been been a really big deal for us. So that's that's been pretty exciting. 
That is so exciting. I love hearing that. And I love the fact that because so much of that brewer's grain goes to waste. Oh, yes. And I know a lot of people that utilize that, whether they're raising cattle or pigs or, you know, whatever. And it's really neat to be able to eliminate waste in another industry while benefiting your industry. I think that's fantastic. And I'd love to know how you guys decided what type of operation you wanted to do, because there's so many different ways you could go in the beef industry. How did you guys kind of land on what you're doing now? So we chose the cow-calf operation so that we could see every single animal start to finish, birth to butcher. We know their history, 100% of what went into them. We know they are hormone-free. They are antibiotic-free if avoidable. If we have sick animals, we do believe in treating them. Absolutely. But obviously not within a withdrawal period before butcher. Right. But when we deliver our beef to our customers. So we sell beef on the rail. When I take that cooler to somebody and drop it off, I know exactly, I know what cow this calf came out of. I know his birth weight, his weaning weight. I know, I know everything. And I think there's a, there's a lot of pride knowing 100%. This is, you're getting exactly what you're buying. Yes. There's no question about it. So when we're buying beef, what do we want to know? We want to know that, you know, if we're at the store and we're buying certified black Angus beef, I want to know that it actually is blacking its beef. Yeah. And I want to know that it truly wasn't hormone raised. And I think there's there's a time and a place for the use of hormones and feedlots and things like that. But sure. that's that's not the road we wanted to go down. Sure. And when buying beef, you know, before we started raising our own, you know, we we had to go out and find it and we had to find somebody to buy it from. And there's a lot of trust in, okay, here's my money. Now give me my beef that's supposed to be grass fed, grain finished, no hormones. It's been vaccinated. It was a happy cow. You know, there's all these things that go into it. And so I feel like with doing the cow-calf operation, I can with 100% certainty answer any question anybody has about our cattle, about the calf, the steer that they're buying. And I think right now in our market, that's what people want. Yeah, They want to know that it wasn't standing in three feet of mud until its last day, you know, things like that. Yeah. I don't know. People want to eat happy meat. I don't know. Um, (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. People want to know where it came from. We chose grain finished, not only because we prefer the taste of a grain finished animal, but the, our ability to finish animals faster. So instead of having a two to three year old grass finished steer, we have a 14 to 16 month old grain finished steer. So we're able to have a much quicker turnaround farm to table with the grain finished animals. But a lot of that also is breeding in the Charlais that do have a higher growth rate. Sure. You know, there's a market for everything. Really neat to see the diversity throughout our industry and our customers, especially, they have their own preferences of what they want ideally for their families. And that's why there's so much, so many options, I should say throughout. So you worded that beautifully and you're absolutely right. You can finish them so much quicker. And for smaller operations, you know, that's a huge thing as far as your profit to keep going for upcoming years and building your business. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, the shorter amount of time you have an animal in your care, the less money you're spending on it, the less money you're spending on feed, on vaccinations, on mineral, all of those things. And so we, we aren't a large scale operation. We are small. And so in order to be profitable, it made sense for us to find a way to finish animals as fast as we could while maintaining a quality product that they're still going to have the marbling and the size that people want, but in a timeline that makes sense for our 
pocketbook and our bottom line. And I love how you put that too, when you're talking about, you know, people want happy meat. They don't want cows that have been standing in, like you said, three feet of mud and crammed into this pen. And that's why it's so important that I think our customers, even though they're not in the ag industry, they know, like you said, they know where their meat's coming from. They reach out to the ranchers that are producing the products they're buying, just even having them come out and see, like I always offer for families to come out and see how our operation is and let them get that hands-on experience to understand that, hey, the agricultural industry is not evil. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there of how food is produced, whether it's beef, chicken, you know, even our wheat, corn, vegetables, all that stuff. And it's like, you know, just come on out and experience what's going on behind the scenes. Know where your food's coming from. And you just, you word that just beautifully because happy meat, it's just funny that a lot of people will laugh at that, but there's so much truth behind that. And it's like the happier the cows, the better quality the product and the healthier the cows too. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like there's so much negativity surrounding the farming and ranching industries right now, which is really unfortunate, but I feel like it's a lack of knowledge. Yeah. And like you said, I would welcome anybody who wants to buy meat from us. Come on out. And I know I understand people don't like the the idea of picking out their cow. Right. Because they don't <laughs> yeah. they don't want to see the face behind it. But come out and see our operation and yeah. see the cows embedded down in straw. They're happy, they're healthy, they have access to anything they could want. They can go inside, they can go outside. And it's up to us to change this misconception of what the ranching and farming farming industries are all about. Because unfortunately, one bad video on Facebook means way more than the hundreds of pictures I could post of happy cows. (laughs) Right. And you've got some great videos on your, speaking of happy cows and straw, the video of your calves playing in the straw, the mound of straw in your barn. Oh my gosh. I love that video. They're just jumping and playing the straw. And it's just adorable to watch that. But you're so right. Somebody could see a video like that and be like, look at these happy cows. And then somebody who has never stepped foot outside of a city posts something that they found on the internet. And for whatever reason, that has more weight to it than anything we're posting. And you're absolutely right about the misconceptions within the industry. And it's hard because we're out here raising food for our communities and ultimately our country and beyond that, the world. And ranchers and farmers are so busy actually producing product to feed people who think that we're trying to kill them. And we don't always have time to be on social media battling this educational issue. And it's really quite sad, to be honest, that there's so much of this out there. Yes. No, there's the negativity is is real. I have I've encountered some of it through social media. And like we were talking earlier, social media is so strange how it works. Yeah. And it definitely, it's an, it's an amazing tool, but I, I had posted a video and we run cows in the Valley in Oregon. And if you know anything about the Oregon Valley, it rains yeah, like a lot. And so we battle mud eight to nine months out of the year. So our cows do, you know, they, they can go out to the pasture, but they all walk in the same line every single day to come back in the barn. So they do have, you know, they have mud on their legs. And yeah. in, in this video I had posted, the person who contacted me didn't see the fresh water in the barrel. They did not see the three bags of mineral I had just dumped in the mineral feeder. They didn't see the full feed bunks full of alfalfa. Yeah, They saw muddy legs. <laughs> And that's what I got to hear about. So instead of this video, it was when the calves were much younger. And like you say, they get so excited in the straw. And so these calves are jumping around and they're bucking and they're being so silly. And it was 
you know, what I thought was a sweet or funny video. And here I was met with negativity because there was mud on the capsule. Oh my gosh. So it is, unfortunately, we live in a, what can be a fairly negative society and it can be really, really frustrating, but it, I took it as an opportunity to say, Oh, you know what? Unfortunately, you know, here in Oregon, it rains a lot, but we bed them with straw twice a week. So they have a dry place to lay down. And unfortunately, trying to educate people isn't always well received, but we can try. <laughs> yeah. And that's where, you know, where it's at is we can try our best to educate them and show them and give them the opportunity to see what it's really like. And, you know, like in that case, they're animals that live outside and they're going to be dirty at times of the year. And you guys do battle a lot of rain and mud. It's something that a lot of people like for us in Montana will get extreme negative temperatures. It's not uncommon to have negative 10, 20, sometimes even 30 degrees in the winter. And a lot of people are like, why aren't they inside warm and cozy? And people don't understand that, you know, you could provide them wind breaks and shelters and stuff doesn't mean they're always going to use them and they adapt to their environment very well. But people who live in the city and have no experience with animals or agricultural, just dealing with country living as a whole, they're not going to grasp that no matter what you try and tell them. And it's really hard because there's that just type of living barrier there. Yes, absolutely. It's just two different of lifestyles, I think. They see cows standing outside and think, I'm outside and I'm cold. Yeah. But animals were created to adapt and they were created to adapt to their surroundings. And you guys have had a horrible winter. Yeah. It has been really, really rough. And there's been so many states across the country that have had just a horrible winter and then spring with the storms. So I think it's, I mean, shoot, if I don't, if I ever don't feel bad looking at cows standing in the snow, like (laughs) check my pulse. Like, right? of course, you know, you feel bad, but we, we understand that they don't need the jacket because their, their body is there. They, They can, you know, fluff up their hair and they've got their fat barriers. Yeah. And they don't see the ranchers spreading all the hay out for them and providing the fresh water like you're talking about. You know, they don't see them out there doing all of these things, keeping them comfortable. And these animals do adapt really well. And same thing with my horses. They've got shelters they can go into. And do they use it? No. They'll be standing out in the blizzard and be perfectly fine. And then people will be calling, why aren't the horses in the barn or, you know, whatever. And it's like, because that's, they're fine. If they needed to be in it, they would go find that you know, if they needed to be out of the weather. And it's just kind of interesting that just the lack of just being able to grasp that knowledge and that concept. Yes, definitely. And they, they're animals. Uh, they will do what they want every single time. Yeah. And they'll never do what exactly. they're told. <laughs> exactly. It's like that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And cows are just as stubborn, if not more. <laughs> um, absolutely. We joke a lot about reverse psychology. Um <laughs> With, especially with our, you know, like the favorite cows. And so 1605, she is hands down the unanimous favorite in the household. And she's this big, gorgeous Semmental cow. Oh, beautiful. And from the day she stepped off the trailer, I looked at her and said, you better be cooking a bowl in there. And my husband's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, it's reverse psychology. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. She had a gorgeous heifer. And so we chose to AI this last year. And the AI tech was out and I was like, all right, be sure you're putting a bowl in there. And it's, it's been, now it's like this running joke that, you know, all the favorite cows, because a cow will never do what you tell it to do. Right. Yep. So we're like, all right, you better be cooking a bowl in there. I love it. I'll have to get back you back to you on my success rates this year, but um, it worked last year. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hear this. I got to see how this goes. So will you walk us through your first year as a first generation rancher? What has been the biggest ups and downs so far? We are sitting 
just over 365 days with our cows. So we are truly just over our first year. Oh, awesome. And I cannot explain how fortunate, blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it, but that we have been this year. We had an amazing survival rate with our calves. We had 29 live calves out of 30 cows. And the one that we lost, we were able to graft a new calf on. So we finished with 30 calves. So we really have been so beyond fortunate with the health of our livestock. We didn't have any of that big, crazy stuff that we were expecting to have in our first year. We knew very little about the bulls that they were bred to. We had no idea if we were going to have 75-pound calves or 125-pound calves, and we averaged 85 pounds. We had two breech calves and lost one of them. I feel like we had, we truly had the perfect year. Of the 30 cows we purchased, we kept 29 of them. We had one cull cow, and she left because she was evil. (laughs) And there's just no room at our place for that. Most of the time, it's just the two of us there working. So if the cows can't be handled easily, then it's just not even worth having them around. Yeah. So we really got very, very fortunate. And like I was talking earlier, the contracts with the brewer's grain we got has been a huge, huge step up step up for us in the last year. And we actually doubled our herd size last month. Oh, wow. So we went from 30 pairs to 70 pairs. Awesome. So we've had a really, really good first year. And it's kind of scary going into our second because at some point, you know, the ball has to drop. <laughs> And at some point, you know, we are going to have a down, but you just got to lean on each other (laughs) and it's, you know, it's going to be okay. And you hate to expect the negative. We were just very, very fortunate with our, our first year. sounds like you guys had great success, right? That's fantastic. Yes. It's, it's been very good. I don't know the right words to put to it. Very fortunate. And the steps we were able to take forward as far as the brewer's grain, purchasing more cattle, all is just looking towards the end, you know, the, the ultimate goal. And if we hadn't had the ability to purchase more cattle, then we wouldn't have the ability to sell more cattle. And if you can't sell more cattle, then you can't pay for the ones you have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So reflecting on the last year now, is there anything you would have done differently during your startup in, in any way, whether it's positive or negative? Well, we had a great calving season. I thought I was so prepared. (laughs) I grew up with cows. I thought I had my calving box and I had it all together. And no, it wasn't even close. There was so many little things. We ended up with a selenium deficiency in the mama cows. So we had some funny legs on a couple calves that we were able to straighten out with slow drip LA 100. I had no idea that I had, I didn't know that's something I needed to have on hand. You keep the LA 300 around for when you get bad eyes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I guess... It wasn't a lack of knowledge. It was a lack of preparation, even though I thought for sure I was so prepared. (laughs) Fortunately, we have some good friends at Ranch and Echo, and they have been fantastic. I've been able to pick up the phone and say, oh my gosh, I have a calf that walks in his toes and can't straighten his legs out. Like, What am I supposed to do? I have my fourth cow with a retained placenta. What am I supposed to do? Why is this happening? So looking back, I would have wanted to be more prepared for those things so that it wasn't oh my gosh, how late's the farm store open? Because we got to go like now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, next year, I mean, my vet box is doubled in size. <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm ready. And the, we got the cows on more selenium supplement. So we're doing good there. And it's been great because I've learned so much in this first year. I might've been a little cocky coming into my first year, <laughs> you know, because I was raised with cows. I had been through 
years and years and years of capping. My dad did 90% of the vet work. I thought, you know, we'll be good. Yeah. I've got this on lock. It was not the case. <laughs> I got knocked down a few notches, but it was good for me. So it's okay. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love your honesty because I think that's the case for a lot of people where we're a little overly confident thinking, okay, we can do this because you almost have to build yourself up just to even get started. And it's funny how life will put you right back in your place. Oh gosh. Yes. Every time. <laughs> so this is always a fun one as the answer always varies from person to person. So out of all the equipment and tools of the trade, what are two that you couldn't raise your cattle without? Okay. So I actually sat down with my husband on this one. <laughs> oh, good. And I had a list of like six things and I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it says two. <laughs> the first month we had cows, we did not have a tractor. And we fed everything. So we fed 30 head with small bales. Oh boy. We put up all our hay and we had borrowed tractors to do this. And then after hay season, all of the tractors went away and we were left to move bales by hand. And we were feeding 30 cows with 60 pound bales. It was incredibly exhausting oh, gosh. and very, very time consuming. And as you know, with cows, time is money. Yes. Just like any farming or ranching, whether it's crops or livestock, time is money. A month after we got the cows, we were able to purchase our first tractor and we started feeding haylage. And so I think our my number one would have to be the tractor because feeding haylage, it's a wet hay. Yeah. It's wrapped. It's so dense and it's so heavy. I'm sure it would be possible without a tractor. I just don't want to have to live that life. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, I cannot imagine having to move those bales, cutting them, and I don't know, with a wheelbarrow. I don't even know how I'd, I don't want to have to think about it. <laughs> but a tractor, definitely, because with one tractor, you can have so many implements and get so many things done yeah. with one piece of equipment. I couldn't agree with you more on that because we don't have a tractor yet. Oh, my goodness. And I tell you what, I got some really toned arms from doing hay. Oh, I bet. With pickup and a pitchfork. Yes. So I can't wait for my tractor. Yes. <laughs> That's next. Oh, girl, it's going to save you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Yes, that is so exciting. Yeah, no, I uh, I, I cannot imagine. It, it was no fun for a month. The tractor actually went off to get service this last week. And I was like, okay, so what time are you leaving and what time will you be back? Like, I need to know. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And then the second one I came up with was a squeeze chute. We are very fortunate that we have so many supportive family members from my husband's father to my father, friends, my sister, her husband, his sister. I mean, we truly have a huge support system, but we can't count on all of those people to show up every time we have a WBI. And since 90% of the time, it's just the two of us having a good shoot to keep both of us safe when we need to do some sort of doctoring or looking at something has been beyond important. I, I know there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And, you know, if we were in a dry climate where you could just pasture rope them, that'd be one thing. But we're so wet. Our cows aren't on our full property throughout the winter because we hay it. So they're, you know, in a smaller area. But I mean, it's not an area I want to ride my horses through to go rope something to knock it down in the mud, to try to get it doctored. So having this squeeze chute for ease of handling the cattle and to keep both of us safe has been huge. Absolutely. Do you guys have a preference on the brand? Did you guys buy a specific brand you like? We found a prefert and we bargain shopped for it. It was a really good deal. It's, it's a used chute. We would love Pipe Dream Ultimate Goal be, to have an AeroQuip. Those chutes are amazing. Oh, they're heavenly. 
Yes. We've been around a few of them. We're like, all right, so someday we're going to need one of those. (laughs) This is on our dream list. (laughs) Yes. But our cows averaged, when we purchased them, they averaged at $14.75 a piece. Nice. So they're very large girls. So that means we have some at the 1200 range and we have some in the 1600 range. So we had to find a shoot that was big enough. (laughs) So that really limited us to what we could get. And most of the shoots we were finding used were usually smaller operations. You know, they have three or four cows and there's not many people out there, especially in our area that have 15, 1600 pound cows. So it was definitely challenging. And when one of my husband's clients actually was like, Hey, so my friend's got this squeeze shoot. We just jumped on it. And fortunately it's, it's worked great. Oh, good. Yeah. Preferts are pretty nice. I like those. Yes. Yes. It's been, um, it's an older shoot, but it's in great condition. It was kept inside. Oh, what a score. Yes. And I know I'm only supposed to have two, but... I would love to hear more though. (laughs) So maybe not a piece of equipment, but a tool. Yeah. It is amazing to me what one person or two people and a couple good dogs can get done. And there's, like I had said, Cody busts his butt, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day. He's away from home. And there are times when I do have to try to get things done on my own. And without our Australian Shepherd, there are many things I don't think I would have been able to complete, whether it's bringing cows up or sorting one off, having her there. And now we have a pup and he's, he thinks he's finished. Just ask him. (laughs) It's the dogs are, are a huge, huge part of being able to get things done safely with the cows for sure. They're like the perfect staff members. Yes. You couldn't have any better employees than dogs. Do you guys train your dogs yourselves or do you have somebody train them for you to work cattle? My husband trained our Australian Shepherd. She's seven this year and he trained her from the ground up and she does a really good job. Our new pup is a Border Collie Kelpie and he is something else and he's going to go off to cow dog college (laughs) because he's a little more challenging in good ways. (laughs) He's five months old and has the same drive as the Australian Shepherd, I think. Excellent. So we're going to get some help harnessing that. And so, yeah, he gets to go off to Cowdog College here in a couple months. Oh, fun. Border Collie Kelpies are so much fun. We have one and she was a little challenging in the beginning, but she is by far our best dog, I'd have to say. Yeah, we're really excited about him. I know how to work the dogs. I don't know that I'd be the best option for training. And since Cody works full-time, it should not be left to me. I don't think so. (laughs) We're going to outsource that one. (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Let somebody else handle that that's maybe an expert in that field, and then you can enjoy the end result. Exactly. (laughs) So, Jordy, what would be your best piece of advice to someone wanting to be a part of the agricultural industry? So I feel like my best piece of advice is also one of the more challenging things to find. But I would urge anybody who wants to get into agriculture to find a mentor, find a teacher, find a friend, find somebody who's willing to help you out. Because like I said, you know, I was talking about how I thought I was prepared. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't. And I was so fortunate to have my dad a phone call away, my father-in-law a phone call away, our friends in Echo a phone call away. I can't imagine how lost I would have been not having that support system. And I grew up with cows. I grew up in agriculture. So from, I don't know that outsider is the right word because I don't want it to sound like they couldn't become insiders, but coming from not having any experience and not being within the industry at all, I feel like finding someone who's willing to teach you and to share their generations of knowledge is so important. It's also really difficult. I feel like there's some barriers because- when you're talking with, you know, this, the 
the family and echo that we talk with a lot and we go help them brand and gather and all those things, they're like fourth generation ranchers and they have been so welcoming to us, but that hasn't always been the experience when we've been talking with other people. Yeah. It seems to be hit or miss when I talk to people. Some people said it was really easy for them and then other people say it's really hard. And for me, it's been more hard than easy to find others to really give you that hands-on experience. And I really cherish the ones that do take that time to teach us next generation. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I can't imagine where I'd be at without having that three, at least three, four people to call when, you know, nothing's going right. I had one calf that no matter what we did, we couldn't get him right. And he became a bottle calf. His mom is the one that we called. And so it was like, okay, so it's so obvious. It's it's this. He didn't get enough colostrum. She had no milk. And so, okay, well, that's that's an easy fix. I, I milked the colostrum out of our cow that lost her calf. Like, we could make this work. And then you I get him on the uphill and downhill he mm-hmm. would go. And so having, if nothing else, having those sounding boards is so important. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And the other thing I thought of is be willing to recognize that it, it's okay for your dreams to change. The dreams I have now are vastly different than the dreams I had three years ago. Yeah. And vastly different from the dreams I had five years ago. I thought, you know, my dreams up until, I mean, even after Cody and I got married, were I wanted to run barrels. I wanted to rope. I wanted to go down the rodeo road with my husband and I wanted to have some cows at home for some fun. Yeah. And the more Cody and I talked in, the more we matured and the more we looked at this lifestyle, it became, okay, so I want to go to some jackpots. But I want to raise beef. And I had a really hard time accepting that these dreams I had had since I was a little girl were totally different. And so I think it's really important to be willing to recognize that your dreams and your goals are changing. And it's totally okay. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, it was it was harder for me to accept than I thought it would be. Yeah. But now that I've I've taken that in and it was the weirdest thing, I had been out checking cows. We were cabbing and I was flying back to the house on the four wheeler driving entirely too fast because I was headed for coffee. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? Like I'm looking out and it was, you know, one of those aha moments. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is what I dreamed of. I had no idea, but this is it. I get to stay home. I get to feed cows for a living. Essentially. (laughs) I get to watch new life come into this world. And that is, that is like worship for me right there. It's it's amazing. And being able to care for God's creatures is that was my calling. And it took me a long time to realize that my dreams and my goals had truly changed. But then just boom, all of a sudden I was there and it was great. I love that. And I'm so glad you said that because like in my my first podcast episode I did, I shared my story and you know, I was a horse trainer and then I got in a bad wreck and I always thought I'd get back yes. into training. And I went through a big depression and trying to overcome the physical injuries that happened from that. And I just kept trying and trying because that was my dream I had for so long, like you said, as a little girl and that's how I envisioned it. And I was successful and good at what I did. And I was just like, okay, well, I got to get back to doing that because that's what I used to do. And it was like, like God was saying, nope, I got a different plan for you. You needed that. But now this is where we're going. And it took me a long time to accept that as well, changing and shifting your dreams. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, but not everybody talks about it. And that's just a fascinating bit of insight for anybody who, as they're growing and developing, things are going to shift and change, even within your operation. What you think it's going to be in the beginning in 10 years might be completely different. And that's perfectly okay. Oh, absolutely. And being willing to 
acknowledge that change and be okay with it. It's hard. (laughs) And over time, I think, you know, it gets easier. And, you know, the girls I grew up with, my sister, you know, good friends that we grew up rooting with, it's been really interesting. It's been hard for me to watch them go on and pursue their dreams of, you know, going to barrel races and rodeos every weekend. And then one day I realized, you know, it hurt my feelings that they were going and I was staying home. But then I realized I was so okay with it because my my focus had shifted. And I told my husband, I was like, I just want to raise pretty cows and cool dogs with you. <laughs> like, I'm good with this. <laughs> it's so fascinating how life shifts and changes. And you're so right on that. Because like my younger sister, she's a very successful horse trainer. She followed in my footsteps and she trains horses down in Texas. And sometimes I watch her and I go, man, I really miss that. I miss what I used to do and watching her do it. I'm like, oh, it's so neat to see that. And then, like you said, I was like, you know, but that's okay. I'm okay that I don't do that anymore. I train my own horses, but yeah, I really have no desire to train horses for the public anymore. And it's neat to watch my sister continue on and do it. Whereas my dreams and everything have completely shifted. It's different now yes. with raising beef. And that's truly my passion. Yes, absolutely. And I, I definitely still want to go. I want to go jackpot and I still want to run barrels. And yeah. I want to go to team ropings with my husband and I want my husband to have time to go to team ropings. Um, <laughs> you know, there's definitely, definitely still want it to be a part of our life. And what I love to get back into going to rodeos and stuff. I mean, yeah, it, it sounds great, but for now, like my focus, my drive, my heart work, it's, it's the cows and I'm so okay with that. Absolutely. And I used to compete quite a bit too. And do you ever think about it this way? Like I go, Oh, you know, I could go do this event or I've done some barrel racing too, and, you know, go to this local jackpot and I go, but that's a couple hundred bucks I could spend on my operation and go towards my cows. And I don't know if I really want to waste it for an event. Do you ever feel like that? Do you think of it like that way too? Yes, I, I do. And I actually do eyelash extensions on the side. Oh, neat. And that's my fun money. Yeah. So that's like my get my hair done, go to barrel races money. And that makes me feel a little bit better about it. Oh, that's good. But there are those times like I actually went to a big race with my sister this last weekend. And, you know, my husband's home feeding cows, cleaning barns, and there was a certain amount of guilt that came along with it. Well, I'm out having this great time and the husband's stuck at home because we now have, you know, 140 heads that we can't just leave. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, there was definitely some guilt that came with it, but it was a good time and I'm, I'm glad I went. But no, I totally get that. Okay, so I could use this and I could go spend $200 at a race or that's like three bags of mineral. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I know I find myself thinking that with lots of things and I'm like, Hmm, do I really need that? No, because I could go buy this instead. Or I right now, cause we're fencing off. We just moved to a new property a few months ago and we're fencing everything off and cross fencing. So for me, I'm thinking, okay, this would get me 75 more T posts or this would get me another roll of wire. And this, this would buy me a gate. So that's what I'm thinking right now is in terms of fencing supplies. Yep. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. No, you are so not alone. <laughs> oh, that's great. Jordy, where can we learn more about your business? So I am on Instagram under Loco Cattle. So that's L-O-E-C-O period cattle. And I'm also on Facebook. I'm trying to be fairly active on Facebook running two social media sites as more than I thought it would be. That's a lot of work. Yeah. And trying to, you know, post every day and stay engaged is it's, it's work, but it's worth it. But also on Facebook under Loco Cattle, I would love for everyone to follow along in our little journey. We are working towards a website. It's not done yet. 
<laughs> to be continued. All right. But for now, we are on Facebook and Instagram, and I try to keep everyone updated with adorable videos of calves running through straw. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> And we've got some fresh calves hitting the ground, so that's a lot of fun. And then we also do sell beef through both of those sites, so that's where you can find me. Jordi, I have loved our conversation today and learning about your journey. Thank you so much for being a part of the agricultural industry in such a positive way. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me. This was uh, this is not something I ever expected I would do, but I am so glad you contacted me. This has been a good time, and it's been great to share information with somebody else with the same passion. Oh, absolutely. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. And I'm so glad you decided to join me because this has just been a blast. So for all of you guys listening, make sure you give Jordi a follow on Instagram and then again on Facebook. And if you're in the Oregon area, reach out to her and absolutely buy some beef from her. All right. Thank you so much, Logan. Absolutely.